morning, everybody. Great, great morning. This is episode 71. Caleb, what's up, man? I like the new intro. I'm in. <laughs> it's a hey, it's always a great day when I can shoot an idea by Caleb and it doesn't get shot down like in two seconds. It's all good. You know what's the saying? Uh every thousand ideas you get one good one. Is For that a sure? I, I I seen the text come back. I was like, oh he's on board. Let's go. I know it's a great <laughs> idea then. I know it's a great idea. <laughs> Coop, how you doing man? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good, man. Can't can't complain. Can't complain, man. It's uh it's a great day. It's a great week to be great, man. Can't complain. What about you? Um, super long day yesterday, productive day. Um, many businesses are nothing but time, man. Like I'm I don't have enough. Um, which is a good problem to have, right? I'm very thankful. Um Got to check out a couple two million dollar houses today or yesterday. That was fun. Um, like you bought, you bought to buy or? Oh no, I I, I represent my clients oh, on this one. <laughs> um, and I and I did just move to a new house, so I'm a little busy, but I'm good. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I'm glad you said that because I was going to ask, but I didn't know if I could say anything. How how is it? How's the new place, bro? Gonna be a lot of work, Coop. Like, what do you mean a lot of work? Like a lot of good work or? I mean, it's all all work is good, but it's been a lot of work to get this place ship shape. Gotcha. So, can uh, I love it? And I don't know if, we, yeah, let's do it. So, can you just educate like the audience a little bit on why people like yourself move into houses like that? That that you have to do some work. Hmm. For me, I mean, I really like equity. And there's a time in your life when you're willing to shop for bargains or like, I like think of going to a thrift store for your first couch, right? You spend a hundred bucks on it. You go to, you know, Ashley furniture, it's going to be two grand, you know? Um, so you, you basically looking for one man's trash is another man's treasure. You know what I mean? Yeah. That, that's kind of been my strategy and, I bet, so this would be the one, two, three, fourth house that I've lived in personally. And I've been able to, you know, buy something, fix it up, take the equity and buy something else, fix it up, take the equity, buy something else and keep trading up and, with, uh, with money that wasn't mine, you know, that money that was just kind of created. Love it. Love it. So add value, raise the value of the property. And then take that that equity or that difference, um, or, just or to, turn them into rentals. You know, a lot of them I've kept and kept what, them as rentals. So, Caleb, how much how much did you sell your last place for? I didn't sell it. Hey, see, hey, I, it was it was a it was an alley oop, bro. It was yeah. Alley-oop. Oh, I appreciate it, Coop. I'll, <laughs> I'll I'll hang on the rim a little harder next time. But uh, yeah, man, no, I mean. I could have sold it and made a good chunk of money, but I'm going to keep it rolling. Um, and you you guys uh, house hacked that a little bit too, didn't you? We house hacked that one. We're house hacking this one. CJ Smith tells me he's going to house hack till he dies, and I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm trying to race him for it. Bro, so if people don't know, uh, I've been listening to Brandon Turner like heavy the last couple of weeks, and he still house hacks in Maui. In a mansion in Hawaii. That guy's it, still house hacking. Man. Love it. Love it. That's why that's why Kale's my partner, guys, doing a lot of different things. Uh shout out to uh Shoshana for letting for allowing him to do these things. It takes Amen. A, it, it takes a patient wife. Amen. All I'm gonna say. <laughs> All right, man, let's get into this episode. Let's go. Okay, Caleb, bring in our guest for today. Good morning, everyone. Today on Shipbuilding with Cooper and Caleb, we have a good friend of ours, Kelsey Buell. Kelsey is a speaker. She is a leadership consultant and much, much more. Welcome to the show, Kelsey. Thanks for having me. 
Coop likes to get hyped up. We uh, we really appreciate your time, Kelsey. And the first question we always start with is tell us a little bit more about you, who you are, what you do, and more importantly, why you do. Absolutely. Well, thanks again so much for having me. This is a lot of fun to be able to have this conversation with you guys. And a little bit more about me, I guess. Um, well, first and foremost, I was born in Niceville, Florida, and my middle name is Joy. So I always joke I'm predisposed to have a lot of energy. I've always been um, kind of a culture builder, team builder in whatever environment I've been in in the workplace. But primarily, my uh, longest background was in recruiting. And after interviewing thousands of people in a really short amount of time, I realized how many people are unhappy in their job and how many people go through burnout. So really um, have a passion for helping people find ways to love their job and enjoy their job all while helping companies retain their talent. Nice. That, so can, um, can we, so I see you have the, uh, the burnout prevention project. Yes. Um, can we, can, can you just talk a little bit about, about that and why you started that? Yeah, so this is a newer initiative. I started it back in February, but really this passion, the Burnout Prevention Project stemmed from specifically wanting to help high achieving women do what's possible, even when it feels impossible. And so it's really a platform and I'm trying to um, work with both men and women. Primarily my focus is women, but um, also helping leaders normalize burnout because I think oftentimes when you start feeling burned out, it comes with a lot of shame and guilt and it, it isn't something that people want to tell their managers about because they're afraid that if their team knows they're burned out that they might um, think less of them. And so I just really have this passion. I do a number of courses and coaching and whatnot, uh, but I just absolutely love helping people again um, find fulfillment in their jobs and avoid um, getting to that point of burnout which is that mental physical and emotional exhaustion in the workplace how quickly were you able to transition from recruiting nine to five to you know more of the consulting more of the burnout prevention you know, it was really a, um, it was a long, it was, I, I want to say it's a long journey, but it wasn't that long. I, um, I actually took a break myself because recruiting was very numbers driven. Um, all, all I was focused on all the time was I had to make so many phone calls every day and have X amount of interviews every week. So in the process of meeting so many people who were burned out in their careers, I actually burned myself out. Um, and so I took a break, I say, and I actually went to work for a nonprofit. Um, and while I was there, I helped um, do fundraising for a fitness center for individuals of all abilities. And so really, for me, taking a step back and doing a job that was still very fulfilling, but just expanded a new set of skills gave me the time to really think about what I wanted to do long term. And so during that, that transitionary period of working in the nonprofit world, I recognized that my passion was people. Um, and so from there, I really, I, I had the opportunity to, to work through my job with a couple different um, individuals who ultimately became clients. Um, and now even um, both of my two previous companies are actually clients of mine. So I think you know, to answer your question and bring it full circle, you know, transitioning from nine to five into entrepreneurship, you really have to make sure that you, you leave on good terms with your company because your current company might be your best future client. Never burn a bridge, right, Coop? Never, never. Right. That, that's awesome. Can, can we talk a little bit, you know, what was the mind, the mind shift for you, you know, working that nine to five, you know, what, like, what was it that started to help your mind shift? Like, maybe I want to go into business for, for myself. Yeah. Well, I think that for me, I've always been an entrepreneur. When, when I was young, I actually taught music lessons. That was my job in high school. And so I already learned how to build 
when I was, you know, starting at 15 years old, I was making invoices. And so I think for me, it was ingrained in me. And no matter how hard I would try to work for someone else, I just continued to want to work for myself. And I think one of the things too, that people who, who do work in corporate or in jobs don't often recognize is that you can be the CEO of your own role or your own department, even within a company. So I think for me, when I was a recruiter, they actually ingrained in me that I was the CEO of recruiting at my branch. That's, that's how they coached us is to really take ownership of our own role. And so I just think, um, again, from that early age, and then through my career, I've always been given the opportunity to have ownership of, of my role, even though I haven't always been off fully on my own. So I think it's been a very gradual transition. And even looking back, you look at how every little step you take, every decision you make leads you to where you are today. And so I'm still learning. I'm still growing. I still don't know it all, but mm-hmm. it's, it's been a fun journey. Kelsey, we ask a lot of questions about fear. And well, I'm going to ask it in a different way. <laughs> um, so normally well, I guess I won't give away normally because we might ask that again later. But <laughs> but when you were going through your uh, first initial burnout, you know, recruiting, did you have any fear? And also, you know, or the, did you have any key relationships that you went to during that time? Yeah. So it, your question was, do I have did I have any fear throughout that transition as I was feeling burnout? Yeah, like fear, like, oh, my gosh, what should I be doing? You know what I mean? Like, this isn't working out. I don't like that. Oh, absolutely. I think um, that's the hard part. I I always say whenever you start a job, you start off in the honeymoon phase, but then on day 91, things sink in and you start to realize, oh, this is actually what I signed up for. Um, And so after day 90, you really start to um, be at risk for burnout. And, you know, some people think it takes a couple years, other people think it takes just a couple months to start experiencing it. But what I find is that um, the first couple roadblocks you hit can start to create fear. So for example, if um, you're doing a good job and then that first time that you get some negative feedback, that might create fear. Um, or for me in recruiting, I heard a lot of no's. I was making cold calls. And at first I had that uninformed optimism towards what I was doing. I I so greatly believed in what I was doing. I believed in the role I I was recruiting for. I believed in the company, but the more times I heard no, the more fear that I started to feel, which ultimately I think led to my burnout. But one thing that I often talk about is using your fear as, as fuel. Um, And I think it's really important to recognize that actually if you hit your fear head on and do um, combat that fear and take even more risks in your role, uh, taking risks can actually have the reverse effect. Um, like every time I started to feel feel burned out, I would change things up and I would try to do things a new way. And that tend to help keep me engaged versus burning me out. So mm. I'm hoping that I, I answered the question, but um but yeah, that's kind of a little bit more on fear from my perspective. That's great. I think the only other little thing I was curious of is, you know, what mentors did you have or do you have, you know, also as you were transitioning? Absolutely. So I did have, um, well, I guess I've had a lot of mentors in my life. Um, the one that stands out to me just because it's more recent is um, some of that I used to work with when I was in recruiting, I still stay very connected to her name is Carrie. And Carrie is someone who right after I started, went off on my own, she would just say, let's try this. Let's try that. And she, she and I didn't even work together, but she would just tell me to do something and then I would do it. And just the act of her encouraging me and even holding me accountable was really important because when you're off on your own, you're truly holding yourself accountable. And so to find people like Carrie, who in my life um, was not only telling me to try new things, but she was asking me how they were going. That was really, really helpful to me. Mm -hmm. 
That's awesome. That's awesome. Can can we uh just back up a little bit? Um, when you were giving your story, you talked a little bit about uh, you worked for a nonprofit uh, for a little bit. Um, what what lessons did you learn during that time when you were working for that nonprofit? Mm. Well, I would say um, one of the most beautiful things that I learned was you know, in life, a lot of times you don't see the true impact that you're having. I mean, you can see it in your clients. You can tell that you're helping them. But when I was working at that nonprofit, I would actually go out into the gym and there would be these able-bodied gymnasts doing cartwheels and handsprings. And then right alongside of them was a um, little boy in a wheelchair being bounced on a trampoline with the biggest smile on his face. And What was so amazing is I think working for an organization where it was more focused on helping and giving back, and I was doing a lot of the fundraising, it helped me realize that, you know, there's a lot more meaning in life with giving back. And I think even in my business practices, like I really value philanthropy and the importance of helping others. And I think that that really translates into the the business and the for-profit world because if you don't have that servant's heart, it's really hard to, to satisfy your clients because at the end of the day, you're there to serve them and to help them and solve a problem that they have. And so I think just that servant's heart is the biggest thing that I learned from working for a nonprofit. When you were at the nonprofit fundraising, mm-hmm. I mean, was your day-to-day pretty similar to recruiting, but it just had you know, it was, it was a passion, not profit, right? Like, was, yes. was, was that how you describe it? Oh, yes. I always say as much as, you know, some people probably don't want to hear it. Um, no matter what job you're in, you're always promoting or selling something, right? Whether you are mm-hmm. a teacher and you're selling your credibility to the students or you're on a date and you're trying to sell your personality or you are um, a, a donor development professional where you're really trying to sell a worthy cause. So recruiting, I went from bringing people in on a daily basis to try to sell them on a career opportunity to bringing people in um, to our facility and giving tours to try to help encourage them to give. So I think, you know, those those relational skills are crucial. Mm. Mm. Awesome. 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 Um, that was awesome, Kelsey. Uh, just look, looking at, you know, when I was going over your bio a little bit. Um, you had in there that you were that you're a risk taker and socially poised. Hmm. Um, can where, so where does that come from for you? Like, where did you develop those, those attributes? Well, um, so truly I, ever since I was young, I was always a performer when I was really, really young. I wanted to be a professional singer or a dancer or in movies And so I, you know, I joke, I was singing before I could talk. I was dancing before I could walk. And now um, I also play the electric violin sometimes with, with random bands. So when it comes to taking risks, sometimes I still get really nervous to do something outside my comfort zone. But I think that from a very early age, I just was um, very uh, in tune with just trying new things and seeing what happens. Um, I also feel that I, um, I was probably one of those, um, students growing up in school that maybe a a number of other students didn't always relate to. I, I found myself often, um, really relating to my teachers, even the ones that other students didn't care for as much. And I, and it's interesting because I, I think back to some of my relationships with with teachers growing up and even difficult teachers that um, were hard to work with. And I look at some of the bosses that I've had and the relationships that I've been able to develop with even leaders in the workplace that aren't always the easiest to get along with. And I, I feel that I've just always kind of gravitated towards people that maybe don't always um, fit in with the crowd. And and I think that that's something that I, I take pride in on that, you know, more the social side and, and being able to communicate with 
all different types of people and really being, bring people together. And not only that, but also really understanding and kind of having that intuition as to what people's intentions are in the workplace and giving people the benefit of the doubt. How did taking that knowledge and growth transition into, um, we mentioned you're a speaker in the bio. I mean, Mm -hmm. and I would say you're a very accomplished speaker. I mean, how was, how did that transition? Yeah, well, I think, and you guys maybe can relate, but if you think long and hard enough about what you wanted to be when you grew up and as I mentioned, I always dreamed of being an actress or being in theater. And for me, it transitioned into this, um, I guess, really thought of, hey, that's a great dream, but I also can channel that energy into the workplace. And so I found myself really loving the professional scene. And by the time I was recruiting, I was doing a lot of class talks. So in a couple of years, I did probably two to 300 Um, class and club talks for various college campuses. And that really helped me learn how to speak in front of college students, which then I have gratefully um, kind of transitioned into speaking in front of more professionals now. And so it just takes lots of practice and it's taken a lot of time. And I definitely, even in this next year, one of my goals is to get some more speaker training because I definitely feel like you're always learning, always growing, always trying to improve on your skills. Um, so you just touched on something that I'm, I'm, I'm pretty uh, adamant about. Uh, you said goals. Mm-hmm. Um, what? So in your life, what? How important has setting goals been for you? Hmm. I love that because I've really been doing some uh, some thinking and, and researching about the importance of setting realistic goals, but also setting goals that scare you a little bit. I think what, what I really enjoy doing is at the beginning of a year, looking at all of the possibilities. And so I really try to keep myself on a quarterly schedule where um, I set quarterly goals But then I also, I have in the last couple months even become more diligent about setting weekly goals and daily goals. And I am a firm believer that if you set the bar at, you know, 10, you might hit, you might hit 10, you might hit 11, or you might hit nine. Whereas if you set the bar at five, you might hit five or you might hit four. Um, So really stretching your goal high enough to where if you break it down into the, the bite-sized chunks, you can achieve it, but also, um, you know, realistic enough so that you can look at it and it doesn't sound so outlandish that you feel defeated. And so um, once in a while, I do find myself needing to, um, I guess you could say, redefine what winning looks like, um, because sometimes I'll set a goal too high. And then as I'm getting close, I'll recognize that, hey, that probably isn't realistic, but let's let's redefine what winning at this goal looks like. Whereas most of the time I find the higher I set my goals and the more I break them down, the more likely I am to achieve them. Well, see you next week, everybody. Bye. <laughs> That's Cooper's favorite topic, probably. <laughs> yeah, Coop. I love it. I love, love that it. topic. I could go on, but. <laughs> Do you write them down? Do I write them down? Mm-hmm. Yes, I do. How I often? write them down. I do. And even every day. So every day I I actually will write my top three goals, which might sound small, but I find that in the whirlwind of my day, I it's hard for me to, especially if they're project-based. So I'll write down my top three goals, and then I'll also allow myself two wish list items um, and then I also write down how I'm going to fuel my, my physical body and my spirit and um, like what I'm going to do that day to make sure that I take care of myself as well. So I do write them down on pen and paper. I have a binder. Um, it's three hole punched. It, it's pretty, pretty legit. <laughs> that, that's, that's awesome. 
Coop loves Coop loves being affirmed, and you guys are both rock stars. <laughs> I love that. Can you talk right. about self development? And I'll I'll actually let I'll let you ask your question first, but th- no, then I'm going to bug you. I'm going to bug you on your own self development too. Yeah, no, I was going to ask you. Do you write down your goals? It sounds like you do. Yeah, so I I write mine, you know, in the morning and before I go to bed. Uh, you know, I what I do is I write, you know, my my big goals and then i i write in the mornings i write down my weekly targets and then my daily targets you know and then at the end of the day when i write my goals down again i look at okay what was my daily or my successes and then if i'm on track to to hit my my weekly and we just we just read a book a couple months ago called traction oh Uh, yeah yeah where they uh talked about setting those quarterly goals or those rocks and so I'm uh, slowly starting to implement that a little bit. Um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, but I, I love I love the the writing the goals down. That's that's been a day one thing for me. So. Yeah. Well, and traction's really good. I actually use traction as well, and I've coached a few clients. I'm not certified, but I've I've coached some small teams using that method. But I also um, there's another book called The Twelve Week Year. I don't know if you've heard of the 12 week year by, I think it's Brian Moran is the guy's oh, name. That but sounds so familiar. You will have to look that one up because I think you will really, I think, and for all those listening, it's been a really, really good book for me as well that I actually need to revisit. We'll, we'll, we'll put on the list, Caleb. Yeah. It's on, the, it's on the list. Like most great books we read, Coop and I always say like, yeah, I definitely need to reread this one. It was really good. You yeah. know? Yeah. So along that train of thought, what are you constantly doing besides writing your goals to, to, to train your mind, to, to grow your self-development? Yeah, that's another great question. Well, this year, uh, I did a couple things. I always try to pick one, one thing, one big thing to financially invest in myself. So I actually invested in a Um, a mastermind through it's called there's a girl named grace lever with the doers way it's called and she's all about being a doer and so i I invested in a mastermind that was all about um, automation and how to create funnels and all of that stuff which i'm still really learning it's um there's so much technology that is out there to be used but i think um the biggest thing that i've learned from that is finding ways to multiply time because I think our, our days are so busy. So the automation is really, really important. So that's one thing I did is I invested in, I actually paid for that. And then another thing that I did, which um, I, I'm in a networking group and I got the opportunity, we meet every Thursday. They asked me in the fall if I would lead training tidbits, um, which is about a 10 minute or 10 to 15 minute Um, talk every single week on Thursday mornings where um, I am forced and I I say forced um, in a loving way, but I'm forced to come (laughs) up with, I'm forced to come up with Uh a 10 to 15 minute little training tidbit. And I said yes, because I knew that it would hold me accountable to forcing myself to growing and, and researching and reading so that I would have something to share with the group. So those are two sounds things. like playing offense. I love that. Yep, yep. So those are two things. Can we can we just talk a a little bit? Um, so Caleb was telling me that you started uh, TNT gymnastics here in Fargo. So I didn't start it, but I, that was the place where I was. Um, that was the fundraising, right? Yes. Okay. I would love it if I could take credit for starting it. It's an amazing <laughs> mission. Um, but yes, what was the question? So how, so how, what, like, so what have you learned, you know, in your time with uh, TNT Gymnastics? Yeah. So when I was there, um, I think one of the biggest things was that my, my boss there was incredibly innovative. I mean, the way that she thought was so outside of the box. And sometimes she would come to me with these ideas and I would think to myself, 
how is that ever going to be possible? And then she would go and make it happen. Um, And so I think if anything, to one of the biggest things I learned was just the importance of not setting a limit on your own beliefs of what's possible. Um, I think if you put the positive energy out into the world and just try to be a good person and try to stay focused on, um, on your goals and um, all of that, I think that it's, it's very possible that things will truly come into fruition if you'll let them happen. And sometimes I think our own resistance and our own limiting beliefs keep things from happening. Mm-hmm. Love it. When you say limiting beliefs, do you have yeah. any other examples that you'd care to share to our listeners? Yeah, I guess, you know, for me, I've even been struggling with this in the last couple of weeks. It's whenever you're asking for a sale or you're approaching someone and asking for business, um, it, it can be intimidating, especially for me. I have almost a more difficult time with people that I already have a good relationship with. Whereas I, I'm one of those crazy people that if you gave me a list of 20 cold calls to make, I probably would do them and it wouldn't be too painful. But once I have the relationship with the person, my Mm. own limiting belief is that I don't want to ruin our relationship by seeming too pushy. And so I have to turn that around and tell myself that by asking them if they want this opportunity, I'm truly giving them the chance to say yes to what could be an amazing life-changing opportunity for them. And so I think that's the one that's the closest to me right now is just the lies that we tell ourselves in mm. our head and remembering to pause and think to yourself, that's actually not true. Um, you know, I, I'm actually, my, my mindset is, is a lie right now and I need to change that around. Um, so that's, that's where I would go with that one today based on my recent experiences. Great episode, Coop. <laughs> oh, it was, it was it was done a while ago. I don't know. <laughs> no, now it can be done now. You know, you had your part. I got my part. Now, you know, now, now we're good. Now we're good. Oh, you guys are too fun. <laughs> Kelsey, can you um talk a little bit about um, if there was any lessons that you learned uh, during COVID? Hmm. Well, that's a great question because I actually I don't I don't know if you knew this, but. I went, that was when I went full time off on my own. I had been doing contract work. I had been doing kind of my own LLC on the side for, for a while, but I went off on my own April 6th of 2020. And if there's anything I learned, it's that you can't let your current circumstances keep you from taking the risk that you've been wanting to take. Mm. I also learned that the world is a lot smaller than we think it is. I, I am so just looking back, very astonished by all of the opportunities that I still had despite the pandemic. And I think, again, a lot of that came from having that um, mindset of, I'm not going to let this pandemic stop me from pursuing my dreams. And so I think you know, if you've got a dream right now and you're hesitant to pursue it, you know, think to yourself, what, what lies am I telling myself in my head that I, I should be um, kind of refuting right now? Because truly, you know, the world is, the world is our oyster right now with how technology has brought us closer together. I mean, all of my speaking engagements for the first at least six months were, um, were virtual. And, I did have some in-person ones that started to happen gradually. And I guess not to ramble too, too long here, but another thing I maybe learned was, although I am, I'm a performer and I love to, to speak and be on stage and that, that gives me energy. I also actually learned that I'm very passionate about facilitating small, intimate dialogue with, with smaller groups as well. So I think, you know, on a number of levels, the pandemic taught me many different things about myself and also about our society and how, um, you know, we can't let our challenges keep us from from playing the game. Is it safe to say the pandemic and also with, you know, you, you know, kind of going out more aggressively? Is that when you started locking in, you know, some of your goal setting? 
Absolutely. Yes. And, and I think too, um, one of the things that I had to battle with a little bit was how much time do you spend being strategic and, and thinking about your plan and how much time do you spend actually doing? Because I think that it has to be in balance. I think that there were times, especially during the pandemic, when everyone's at home, where I would take so much time to be strategic that I, I, I would forget to start taking action. So Mm -hmm. that's another thing that looking back, I realized I um, maybe could have done better. A friend of mine, I think uh, I was talking to an architect and Mm. he was talking about people who just sit at home and sharpen their ax all day. And then he also Mm. was talking about people who all they do is, you know, chop down trees all day they don't take time to sharpen their axe either Mm. and uh he the the analogy he just he used it to you either need to be sharpening for a period of time but then you need to be doing and then you know during times of that doing you need to go sharpen and you're never you know it's like the grass is always greener right you're never perfectly in balance but i think that happened to a lot of people in covid Mm, Um, i love that i love that so much i'm writing that down (laughs) It, uh, it's it's been on my mind for like since he told me i was like man it's such a great analogy um since we're back on goals just for a minute though like what are your big goals that you're willing to share with us like maybe yeah. your five year you know what what's what's the big what's the big plan with all this yeah absolutely well as a as a business owner you have to take into consideration what parts of my business are going to be more, um, I guess, residual or create that stability that I need. Whereas what parts of my business can be the areas that I want to have fun and just play, (laughs) if you will. So for me, um, I guess the two areas that I'm building as kind of my foundation are um, one, I, I utilize the predictive index, which is a behavioral assessment tool. And I help companies with um, fancy terminology called uh, talent optimization. So really wanting to gain and build more, more organizations that I'm working with, helping them to not only use this tool, but optimize their talent, recruit the right people. Um, so for me, I'm really wanting to gain kind of that foundation of um, clients in that area. And then on, on another totally different scope, um, I'm actually starting a, uh, a peer advisory group. Um, I'm starting with just one group. It's going to be all women to start with. And it's going to be women that are in that um, kind of that middle level manager role. And mm. my dream with that is to have it be a small group and then maybe add an, a second group or a third group. And really it's offering these people t- the opportunity to have their own board of directors. So you come together once a month and you talk about goals. So when you're you know, asking about goals, um, one of my biggest goals is to create these peer groups or these goals-driven groups where um, if I can really build this model and, and help women set achievable goals, prevent burnout, I could see these groups being able to be maybe replicated if other people want to start their own groups um, and utilizing my foundation of, of what I've created for these ongoing peer groups. And so, again, they're two very different things. But for me, that's that's the foundation. And then on top of that, I just I love stuff like this. I love being able to get paid to speak, which is just crazy that um, you can get paid to speak. And so for me, um, looking at having those foundational elements with working with some, you know, really awesome businesses, some small groups of women with these peer groups, and then really just being able to have retreats and and speak and do all of these fun things on top of that. Big moves. Yeah. That's awesome. That's really, really awesome. Yeah, um, it's been fun. Yeah. What? So what? What? What keeps? What keeps Kelsey motivated? Like, what? What keeps her going? What fuels her? Hmm. That's a good question. I think that is something that is ever, ever changing. Um, I, I start with values, I guess, um, because I think you know we all. I could say all these different things, but truly for me, I need to look inward at what are my values? What do I care about? And so 
Um, I have some good alliteration with my values. It's uh, faith, family, fitness, fiddling, philanthropy, and fun. Um, so <laughs> I love alliteration. <laughs> philanthropy clearly doesn't start with an S, but I thought that it worked. Um, it's all but, phonetics. Yes, <laughs> but, you know, keeping my faith close, keeping my family top priority. I mean, I, I got married right before the pandemic. Thank goodness. Um, and so, you know, my husband and I, we want to eventually start a family. And so for me, what I love about the world that we live in is I'm looking at how can I build a profitable, profitable business now where in three to five years from now, I can still have, have fun and be out in the workforce, but also have a family and, you know, really designing the life that I want to live is probably what fuels me the most. Awesome. Just awesome. Do you have any advice for your 18-year-old self? Mm. I'll see. Oh, gosh. So much. No. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think just... I mean, now I've got chopping down trees and sharpening the axe thing. That's, that's really hitting me. But, you know, so first and foremost, it's okay to slow down sometimes. Um, and to have some fun along the way. I think often I've been maybe a little bit too intense and too focused that I've forgotten to, to take a step back. So I think that's probably the, one of the biggest things. And then the second thing that I would say is I love the quote, um, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, I can't do any, either of you know who said that? I can't remember. I, I can't remember. I can't remember. Okay. We'll have to look that up afterwards, but yeah, <laughs> if you want to go, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And, and I just, I get so focused on my goals that sometimes I tend to be a bulldozer and forget to bring people along with me and the collaborations that are out there to be made. And so um, I think I would have told myself that for sure. Great great advice. Hmm. Thanks. Kale, do you have any, anything else? Um, Can we touch on the book that you said that we should all read one more time? What was that book? Yeah. So that one was the 12 week year. So it's just, it's very um, goals oriented. It's this concept that most people set their goals for the whole year, but it's kind of like traction where they're, they're really focused on breaking down your goals into quarters. Or in this case, it talks about them in um, 12 week increments. Mm -hmm. Um, And it goes through laying out how to best do that so that you really accomplish your goals. And then I think there's even like a free online tracker that you can use if I'm remembering right um Mm -hmm. if you get the book but yeah the 12-week year is one and another book I would recommend that I also need to revisit if if I don't know if you guys have read this one but essentialism no no so essentialism it's by a guy named Gino Wickman he has a great British accent if you decide to listen to it on audible yeah we like Um, we like Gino (laughs) Uh, yeah and he it's about the pursuit of doing less but better and so it's all about how to cut out the non-essential things in your life and focus on the essential so that you can basically bring your ultimate contribution to the world and I just think um I've listened to it on audible on repeat in in the past and that one has always been in the back of my mind is one I need to reread again. Cooper, can we please put that one on the list, oh, please? I got I got it written down, bro. Okay, thank uh, you. Thank you. Awesome. Awesome. Kelsey, we have so many great takeaways from this episode, and we truly yeah. appreciate your time. Um, for anyone listening, what is the best way for them to learn more about you, connect with you, get in touch with you? Yeah, you know, there's so many different ways, but I think the easiest way, um, just since I have my hands on a lot of different things, is to connect with me on LinkedIn or on social media. And um, you can connect with me. I think it's it's my full name, Kelsey, K-E-L-S-E-Y, and then Joy, J-O-Y, and then Buell, B-U-E-L-L, and just connect with me, send me a message. 
Um, I accept pretty much anyone that looks looks relatively legit on LinkedIn, <laughs> and I feel like that's a really great professional <laughs> platform to connect on. But otherwise, um, you can send me an email as well, which I'm sure we can include somewhere. Oh, for sure. Yeah, we'll put we'll put it in the show notes for sure. So perfect. Awesome. Kelsey, yeah. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you. Absolutely. This was so fun. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Kelsey. Have a nice day. Another great episode, Caleb. I need to figure out like something to say back to you because I'm always like, he's got his line. What do I have? Well, it's our line. What do you mean? Oh, I guess I'm supposed to say another great episode, Coop. Yeah, my bad. I'm trying to spice it up. <laughs> Or you can just do like rrr, rrr, episode seventy one, cool episode. <laughs> love it, love it, love it. Oh, um, haven't strangled me. It's great. What's that? Nothing. Um, what were your takeaways? <laughs> um, man, where do I start? Uh, this was awesome. Um, I love again, 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 again. Goals, 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 goals. Um, you can always, you, like, you already know when someone says goals and writing goals down, I'm about to have my own little side conversation. Um, with you just that. like to feel good about yourself. Well, I just, I just, I just love meeting other people that do that. Mm-hmm. You know, I love talking to people and like what, what it's done for them, you know? So then, it, yeah, yeah. It, does, it does reaffirm what I'm doing, but it's always great to, uh, it's always great to uh, hear other people do it too, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, man, like goals, like just, just having a outcome or a target of why you do what you do every single day. Right. Um, I just feel like in today's world, like, you know, there's probably a good chunk of people that just kind of get up. They have one target, they hit the target and it's like, Okay. Everything else is gravy. Everything else is gravy, you know, but like, and she said it so perfectly, you know, you set nothing wrong with setting those realistic goals, but you got to have goals that are going to scare you. A couple stretch goals. A couple stretch goals. Yep. Um, yep. So I, I love that. And, um, you know, just she talked about uh, COVID, uh, you know, not letting your current circumstances stop you from reaching your goals. I mean, to, when I heard that, I was just like, whatever excuses you got, throw them out the window. You know, what What do they say? Ex- excuses are like, uh, uh, oh, no, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> uh, I, I was like, he's going to go there. He's going to do it. He's going to do it. <laughs> I was going to say something like like elbows. And I was like, no, it's not it. And I was like, oh, it's that one. No. Nope. Then, then it came to him. Then they came to me. Copa Wallow, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Breaks. (laughs) What did you think about her limiting thoughts comment? You know, it. I thought it was awesome. So, I don't want to say I thought of David Goggins, Mm. but like, you're. Your mind is like, you know, get David Goggin talks about it. Like, it's like your governor, right? You, it, it, it has like a barometer. It tells you like, oh, you're getting to the barometer. Like, nope, you can't, you can't your go. Upper limiting thermostat. Yep, upper limiting, right? And you hold yourself back because of what you think you know. And uh, once, you know, there's, and there's many ways you can do it, but like getting around people or like really questioning those beliefs which it sounded like that's what she did is like really questioning those beliefs or you know questioning herself like why am i thinking this like you know and just talking yourself through it um i thought that was powerful man like any anytime because we all have it right we we all have limiting beliefs right it's just some people are able to challenge those thoughts and that's really all it is is, is challenge those thoughts and i think she said you know, your limiting beliefs are almost in a way kind of like lies, right? You know, co- conversations that yeah. you have with yourself that are really lies. 
you know, and um, just being able to challenge that thought, man, is uh, it was great. That was that was a great comment that she that she had. I thought you were gonna call me out. What do you mean I was gonna call you? I mean, I feel like I missed our limiting. I, I actually don't actually think I I do a great job with my limiting thoughts until you know one of your nine hundred ninety nine ideas come out, and I'm like, cool, <laughs> cool. You know, but but like her saying that is like, you know, I, I'm a weakness of mine is I'm quick to, you know, shoot stuff down when I just need to like roll with it, roll with it and see what happens or well, it, a closed it, mouth is never fed. Right? Exactly. Exactly. And it's, it's always a yin and yang, too, though. Right. Like you got you got to have I feel like you got to have, you know, I, I wouldn't say you're Mr. Shut down all the time. I think you give me a, a different perspective and. Like likewise though that that's that's good yeah so like it's it's how you look at it but if if the if your limiting beliefs are preventing you from doing that thing or going to the next level like if you're using it as an excuse then that's when it becomes a problem right totally so don't be just an axe sharpener right yep use it at (laughs) at some point love it love it love it no this was a great episode um, we'll put all of Kelsey's contact information um, in the show notes. So make sure you check it out, see what she's doing. Um, yeah. Anything else, Caleb? Another great episode, Coop. Another great episode. Um, you know, I always love to end the episode with please rate, subscribe, leave a review. Um, am I missing anything? That's it, man. Maybe leave some hate mail. I don't know. The hate mail is going to come, man. Like, just... Anyways, I'm done. I'm done. You good? Uh, I love it. All right. (laughs) See you next week, everybody. See you next week.